episode 24 is live with living the guide life and today we have charlie from golden state guide service and we're going to chat about some pretty cool things he talks about his time up in alaska chasing sea ducks out there king eider stuff like that then we also dig into his guide service that he was able to create this year out in the bay of san francisco chasing sea ducks divers all those cool birds out on the west coast even tells us a few little cool stories of his time out in australia and scotland and chasing some really rare ducks that you would never see in the united states but they sure get a lot of them where they're at so i hope you guys enjoy this one and we are live today with episode 24 of living the guide life and we have charlie barberini on today from Golden State Guide Service out in the San Francisco Bay chasing sea ducks and a bunch of other divers out there. And he's gonna give us a rundown of what it looks like and what it's like to hunt those uh, big water ducks. So how are we doing today, Charlie? Doing good, man, how are you? Oh, just living the dream every day. There you go. How's your season been so far? It's been really good, man. We've uh, we've been pretty fortunate. Bird showed up early, uh, been staying on them lots of action it's been fun that's awesome now are you guys yeah. you guys chasing uh so you guys chase sea ducks and then divers as well yes so the sea ducks the scoters show up first it's pretty much we'll get some oddball other sea ducks but for the most part we shoot uh surf scoters and they okay. show up first and this time of year the divers are rolling in now so we're kind of bouncing back and forth scoter hunt here diver hunt there you know okay yeah Fair enough. But early on, we were we were on the scoters pretty heavy. Yeah, no, that's a pretty cool duck to shoot. From. Oh, they're a lot of fun. Tough as nails. <laughs> I can imagine. Like, they're just such a cool bird to look at. I mean, they really are. They're so funky. Yeah. That's what I love about the sea ducks. They're just, they're every single one of them is unique in their own way, and they're just odd-looking ducks. Yeah. How do you guys... Definitely get dry. Yeah. So how are you guys hunting the sea ducks out there are you like just sitting in a boat in the middle of the water because i've seen people do that or like layout boats or on land or what so we mostly hunt from the boat okay i've got a i've got a boat lined on my boat and uh throw the decoys out in front of you because it's all big water yeah there's a few spots you could get away with if the birds are in the right area hunt on land but okay to stay on top of them it's pretty much on on a boat yeah and now is your boat like all gray or how does that work if you're it kind of right in the middle our that bay water is real greenish so my boats it's pretty much all dark green and uh it's got a blind that comes up that's also dark green and that's cool i mean the sea ducks they don't have the pressure the puddle ducks do so as long as there's no movement and it kind of blends in you know they're not too skittish yeah i can imagine do you guys ever uh shoot puddle ducks out on the big water yeah yeah um you know every once in a while it's kind of random a yeah. buddy of mine was out today shooting scoters and got a pair of mallards and huh. um i shot a green wing teal the other day i shot pintail widgeon oh wow bonkers we shot an illusion you know i mean huh. stuff yeah stuff it's the bay like there's you know <laughs> kind of on the coast of all the bay there's little marshes and ponds and stuff everywhere so yeah there's puddle ducks bouncing from place to place flying over well that's awesome then yeah 
that'd be quite the experience to go hunt that big of water like, yeah it's definitely uh it's definitely you know foreign to a lot of people especially when you're launching in cities and in the ghetto and you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> no uh, kidding <laughs> it's, it's a lot different than the midwest man yeah oh yeah dude like i don't hunt water a ton but that would be that'd be way different than what we would ever think of doing like oh yeah it's definitely it's a it's a you know you're hunting next to refineries and giant tankers are going by yeah it's yeah it's different it's cool it's definitely cool because uh i've been fortunate to kind of hunt all over the place and it's about as urban as you could hunt yeah oh yeah i can imagine and like when you guys are looking for birds like are you just going to like a reef or something that they sit on top of and feed off of or like what's a like how do you do that how do you figure it out it de- it depends you know i try my hardest to get in route from where they they raft up for the night and where they feed so they're roost you know okay and yeah. i i kind of prefer trafficking them because then i'll get more hunts off of them if i can keep them feeding in the same area yeah um because they'll they'll bounce around they're not very they're not like hunting geese where like you try and traffic them but they need to go to that one field you know they're uh you can pull them pretty easy so i, yeah. I try to run as much traffic as i can on them okay that's pretty neat then yeah that that's the best way to keep them in your area yeah i can imagine and like do you guys see like a big push of birds or do they stay around like all year uh no we definitely get pushes um it seems like especially with sea ducks and divers the females and the uh the immature males they'll show up first and you kind of know when you start getting all your birds when you see all the uh the drakes flying around yeah same with same with golden eyes uh bluebills it just seems like the the hens and the immatures come down first and um so you'll you know when you first start shooting them earlier in the season it's a lot more hens a lot more immature birds a few drakes and then you know by now there's just it's pretty even mixed yeah oh, and unlike imagine. you know unlike puddle ducks sea ducks they they take a few years to, for them to mature yeah um so you know the, the the immature drakes are a couple years old before they look like a all black with the colorful bill yeah oh i can imagine yeah because i mean i didn't even realize like you guys were shooting golden eyes and stuff like that until i looked at your instagram i was like oh damn like i didn't even realize yeah. that those kind of divers were out on that big water oh yeah yeah we get uh we get a lot of golden eyes a lot yeah. of golden eyes and lots of bluebill really and yep they're mostly greater bluebills and they're just showing up right now okay it's been really good this last week they kind of got here in big numbers and uh, we've done a few hunts and it's been shoot done by 7 30 oh wow it, yeah, it's been good yeah fair enough dude sounds sounds like the dream you're living <laughs> sunny and get to go shoot hey. some sea ducks like fuck can't complain nah it's pretty fun man yeah no kidding and like i've seen some bands that you guys have been shooting on your instagram or whatever um where like where do they even band them around there like you know it's pretty rare um like the ones you guys do shoot where where do they come from the last one we shot was 15 years old and it was banded in washington um i've seen two other scoter bands they were both from uh swan island alaska 
which is southeast, and they were pretty old too. They haven't done a banning project on scoters, that, to my knowledge, in quite a few years. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's been a couple years since I've seen the band, so it's probably been 10 years since they've done a banning project on them. But uh, I didn't, that one from Washington was surprising because I've only heard of the ones in Alaska. Yeah. So I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, there's not there's not many. I've seen three. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty neat to shoot a Scoter band. That pretty cool stainless steel little little band. Yeah, and they just I'm guessing they live in the summer up in Alaska then, and then just follow the coast throughout the year. Yep, yep. yep. They come down. I think surf scoters mostly nest in like um, southeast Alaska. Okay. I've seen them up my guide in Alaska, and I've seen them fishing and like uh homer and stuff like that but i think the majority of them are south of there yeah okay i got you yeah no that's that's sweet that'd be uh be quite the experience and like when you're retrieving them do you have like a dog or like do you just run around in the boat and kind of just grab them yeah I've, I've got my dog so it, anything that he can get i'll send him on um if they get out there a ways you know we do with a lot of current stuff like that so if we shoot four or five out of a flock I'll send them as many as I can get and just keep an eye on them and then we'll just unhook. A lot of times we'll have to go chase down cripples, stuff like that. But yeah. uh, for the most part, like if we had, you know, our limit seven apiece and we had oh, wow. shoot 21, he'd probably get 18 of them on an average day. Yeah. Okay, I got you. Your limit seven apiece out there? Yeah, seven apiece for, for ducks. Wow. That's pretty... Yeah, uh, we've got... The Pacific Flyway's got the best limits. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Like, we can only shoot six ducks out here, and only four of them can be mallards, which is, like, basically all we shoot once it gets this time of year. Exactly. Realistically, you're only shooting four ducks, and then you got three geese, and it's like, well. Yeah, we can shoot seven green or seven mallards. Wow. um, Seven pretty much of any duck besides pintails and bluebills and canvasbacks. And then we can shoot pet. 10 dark geese so 10 canadas or 10 specs um nose i think 25 or something i don't know but yeah we got pretty good limits yeah yeah i wouldn't be complaining if i could shoot 10 geese yeah it's fun it's hard to do yeah oh i can imagine (laughs) i was like guiding and when i was guiding in oklahoma i came from kansas in kansas you only needed to get six a person and then that two extra that makes it hard man (laughs) That adds up when you need 20 extra birds. Oh, yeah. Especially if you're running, like, a big group. I mean... Oh, yeah. That's a lot of birds, like, people don't realize. Yeah, I like six. I yeah. like Texas. It's five geese. That's even nicer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Get done quicker. Like, shit. Oh, I hear ya. Oh, that's sweet. So, you were over in Oklahoma and Kansas guiding then, too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've guided there. I've guided Arkansas, Missouri. Oh, I've wow. Been around. This is my first year. I just started Golden State. I always did stuff, uh, you know, here and there, kind of word of mouth in November. Yeah. Never advertised for it because end of November, I always headed to the Midwest, and this is my first year staying home. So okay, uh, started it up, um, just kind of went official with it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's sweet, dude. Like, can't complain about that. Don't have to drive. Drive yeah, all the way across the country for hours. <laughs> yeah, like I wouldn't be too mad about that. That was, was a good move. Yeah, no, no doubt, dude. I was watching uh, 
Brandon Fenn's photos of your guys' hunt out there. I do take some rowdy photos. Oh, he's a he's a really talented guy. He's like, fun to hunt with. And he's only like, isn't he only like 18? I believe he's 18, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he graduated high school last year. He's actually working up at Prairie Rock in Nebraska, um, doing a bunch of media stuff, and he's guiding a bit. And uh, talked to him a couple of days ago. I think he's pretty happy with the move. Oh, yeah. Because isn't he yeah. working with Jake? Um, yep. Yeah. yeah, so Jake owns that. Yeah. Part of it. I don't think he's the full owner. I don't, I don't really know what's going on there, but I know he owns part of it. And uh, he hired Brandon on. And uh, I know Brandon's having a lot of fun out there. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because did Brandon grow up around that area then? Yeah, he grew up uh, pretty much the same neck of the woods as me. He's about 20 minutes from where I live okay. on the other side of the bay. Okay. And how'd you get teamed up with him? Uh, pretty much just the internet, man. Instagram. Yeah. Um, we're both Tangle Free guys. Okay, yeah. So, through there, Tangle Free is, you know, 10 minutes from my house. They're headquarters. They're real good friends. And yeah. He was bunch through them, and it was pretty much like, oh, you two need to meet. And then we started talking on Instagram and just became friends that way. Yeah, fair enough. What are the, um, do they make scooter decoys? Yep. Like, yeah, pretty much everything I use, they make. Okay. Yeah. That's a boat and motor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hear you on that. Like, and then, uh, yeah. So are you guys just running long lines and stuff out there then too? I run both. We hunt a lot of shallow stuff. It's not as deep as a lot of people hunt sea ducks, you know? Okay. I'm hunting pretty much five, six feet to 12 feet average. I'll hunt deeper than that, but I'll run usually two long lines and then a bunch of singles in between. Okay. That's pretty, uh, have you ever looked at those, like, rafts that they make? Uh, I've heard mixed reviews on that. I've always wondered how those would work. Me too. I don't, I've heard that they're dog killers, and I've heard that, or I haven't heard, but it just looks like it just, for how many decoys you put on it, just looks like it takes up way too much room on your boat. They look good when they're in the water. I've never used one, but. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I should. (laughs) <laughs> just a bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I hear you on that. Just to say you did it at least once. Yeah. Like, I'm in the same boat as you are. Got to try Got to try a few things here and there, I guess. Switch it up every yeah, once in a while. I guess what's what's not broke isn't worth fixing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, too. That, too. Yeah, so how many guide trips do you guys run out there, like, a year? Or like, how long have you... Uh, how many have you ran this year so far? Ooh, I don't know exactly. I've had a few days off, but okay. pretty much since, you know, November, I've been going every day. Oh, wow. Day off here or there, and then uh, I don't have another day off after today till after Christmas, or, I mean, Christmas is my next day off. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're pretty busy. Yeah, no kidding. And are most of them, like, out-of-state hunters, or are they in-state? It's mixed. We take a lot of local guys. Um, a lot of people don't know, but California has more hunters per capita than any other state. And uh, oh wow, you know, there's seven million people live in the Bay Area. Yeah. So we have a lot of hunters. We have you know the Sacramento Valley. A lot of people have duck clubs and they rent rice checks out there and hunt. But it's kind of a fun thing to go get some trigger time down in the Bay. So we take a lot of local guys. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and we did, you know, I just had a group in from Minnesota and um, some guys from Oklahoma. I mean, guys come in to hunt too. Yeah. And I got some other guys coming in here, getting ready to come in from Louisiana, from Texas, Arkansas. So okay, it's, uh, it's a bucket list bird for a lot of people, but it's also a fun, it's just a fun day hunt for the locals. Yeah. Yeah. That way they don't have to go buy a boat motor exactly. kind of jazz easy show up and go out and shoot some birds come home and you're 10 minutes from where you live for a lot of these people you know yeah it's, oh. uh, yeah it's an easy hunt for a lot of the locals yeah i mean i feel like a lot of people um are starting to do that just because they don't don't feel like oh i hunt three times a year or whatever it is it's a lot cheaper to go do that than go try to find your own stuff or buy all the equipment for it exactly exactly you know you start adding up the price of decoys especially out your guys' way owning a goose rig or even here a boat like yeah you're easy off just hiring a guide a few times a year and getting your fix yeah exactly and i mean the amount of time and miles put on scouting and all that kind of jazz and exactly like just easier to go spend whatever it is 150 bucks 200 bucks a day like go shoot your ducks go shoot your geese whatever it is and call it good exactly but yeah no i hear you on that um but yeah that's that's pretty neat i never really thought of like so what's the hunting life out in california because like besides the sea ducks like i don't really think of california as being like super huntable it's actually the most huntable state there is no one no one knows that once you leave california but yeah the whole like california is you know second to arkansas is the most the biggest rice producer there is okay and you know, everything's flooded it's a lot like arkansas the pacific flyway california has more ducks come to it than any other state yeah i mean it's you'll drive down the geese the ducks when you get in the valley it's insane there's so many birds and uh it's tough here it's not like the midwest everything's kind of locked up it's year leases so you know okay. a lot of the guys are renting like a rice check for the year yeah um you can't you can't get away as much with door knocking and getting on day leases for geese i mean everything's leased up there's a lot more money involved yeah um but uh the, as far as like the amount of birds and the hunting there's a ton of birds yeah i mean we got I think the pintails, the most birds we have, um, you know, tons of pintails, tons of widgeon. Okay. We get a lot of mallards, gadwall, teal. So spoonies, lots of spoonies. <laughs> yeah, gotta love the spoonies. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so lots of those. We get kind of get a little bit of everything. You go out hunting in the marsh or go out in the valley. It's usually a, a mixed bag. It's not like uh, out your guys' way where it's mostly mallards and stuff like that. We you kind of get a little bit of everything. Yeah. Do you ever do any hunting besides out on the big water? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm just so busy now. I've mostly done that. I go up to Nevada a lot, hunt with my friends up there, shoot uh, oh, wow. big honkers, and, uh, you know, kind of go all over. We do a lot of dry field stuff if we can. And, yeah. Uh, this year, I haven't really been able to do much. Did a wood duck hunt early on, and um, other than that, I've just been working. Yeah. What's what's Nevada uh, I like? Hunted, I hunted the marsh on opener. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I've done a few. I've done a few hunts. Yeah, fair enough. And like the marshes, are they just 
massive out there or are they kind of smaller kind of stuff like that they're pretty big you know i um they're all saltwater marshes so the one i hunt snap sonoma marsh i hunt that a lot and okay it's a big marsh it's all tidal um it's all saltwater tidal stuff lots of ducks lots of teal use it pintail use it later in the year the canvas backs are ridiculous it's just no kidding uh, and all our marshes are like that so it's a it's a fun way pretty much need a boat there's a few walkout spots but you need a boat to get to it yeah yeah damn that'd be that'd be pretty crazy to go uh hunt a saltwater marsh like in fact that'd be a really cool experience too it's a lot of fun just like gotta know when the tide comes in and know when it leaves because i feel like a lot of people get stranded out there Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've spent my fair share of hours waiting on the tide. It's <laughs> <laughs> learning. Oh yeah, I can imagine. And like, you were saying you were hunting in Nevada. What, like, for geese? What kind of fields do they have that you're hunting for geese in Nevada? Um, it's a lot of like alfalfa, barley. Okay. Uh, winter wheat, stuff like that. Uh, corn every once in a while. Not a lot of corn there. Yeah. Um, but it just depends where you can find them. There's there's a ton of geese there. The limit's four. Okay. Uh, I'll tell you, Nevada hunters are some of the best waterfowlers they are because they got to work for them. Yeah. They're killers. That's sweet. Because I, yeah, I feel like all of Nevada. When I think of Nevada, it's all I think of all desert. Exactly. So, um, and it, it mostly is. You know, I hunt pretty much right up on the Sierras, which is the California border. Okay. And there's more water out there but even, even still you know those guys that get it done they they put a lot of time in they're hunting the high desert i mean it's cool you're looking at mountain ranges yeah. snow covered ranges in the high desert and you're hunting some little potholes or hunting lake shores or fields you know and um it's cool it's very different yeah and what are like the roosts out there because i feel like nevada doesn't have a ton of water there's they- a lot of lakes lakes cattle ponds okay yeah yeah i mean there's there is you know there's more lakes than you would think in nevada especially on the western side um so that's kind of where the big geese are are roosting that a lot of cattle ponds a lot of hot water springs yeah yeah why it gets yeah because it gets pretty cold there yeah because i yeah doesn't it get like pretty cold at night and then heats up during the day and yeah exactly and like kind of where we hunt there's a couple warm water springs that holds a lot of birds and um yeah it gets cold they were hunting the other day i think it was six degrees out oh no kidding yeah i think it's pretty damn cold Jeez, that is that's colder than it's been up here yeah they had a cold front i think it's warmed up since then that was uh i think on sunday okay they said it was about six degrees outside yeah because i mean up here it's been terrible it's been warm it's been like 45 degrees every day sunny and no snow at all so it's just been brutal to try to chase the geese oh yeah that's not normal for you guys no usually we have i mean shit six seven inches by now like for sure and then it just the snow will make them push so so much easier to get them off the roosts and now it's just like yeah let's just go sit on the roost until 10 minutes before shooting light at the end of the day and then that's all you're gonna see us fly yeah and i'm like that is super lit like 
<laughs> just what I want to see in December. No, so do you guys? Yeah, so I do a little bit around here. So I go to school in Mankato, so which is like Minnesota State University or whatever. And then, so I guide around here a little bit. Started doing it last year, um, just for kind of like fun. I was like, got all the spots, like might as well make a little money while I'm doing it. Um, like, Are you, uh, so have you come up with the podcast then? So the podcast, I was thinking like, during COVID, I had nothing to do. I mean, got like laid off work because they couldn't have people there. So I was just really doing school. And I was like, it'd be kind of cool to just like start up a podcast, listen to people's different stories around yeah, like awesome. the entire country and just kind of hear what it's like to hunt different places. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, no, it's been, it's been a blast. Like the amount of people that I've been able to talk to and like just hear what it's like to you know try different hunting scenarios or whatever it is and uh like learn a few things yeah that's very cool and yeah so i mean it's been good just uh had trevor on from pacific calls and dropped his yesterday and so that was a real fun one and then got some more in the pipeline got cody stokes with die bomb that i'll drop on monday but i mean now it's been like rolling pretty good actually i've i've been getting a lot of um traction now so getting a lot of different good people on and like just hearing different stories from all over the country that's awesome yeah so it's been a blast and like wanted to see um what you had because i mean sea duck hunting out there like that's a whole different ball game than i've ever imagined yeah, it's it's quite foreign. Um, you know, it's pretty it's pretty easy sea duck hunting. You see a lot of the guys, and I've done it. You know, I used to guide sea ducks in Alaska, King Eiders, Harlequin, stuff like that. Oh wow! And uh, um, California's nice. A lot of sea duck hunting. It's miserable. You know, you're out there in the cold and the wind and the waves. And yeah, uh, for the most part, we're shooting trophy birds, and you know, not a lot of wind and sunny weather and. <laughs> hard to beat it yeah no kidding yeah what a are lot like, more comfortable than when i used to guide in alaska oh i can imagine that'd be uh that'd be pretty cold i can imagine when you're up there oh yeah it gets very cold you know we're out in the bering sea and we're hunting out of zodiacs and little boats shooting king eiders and jeez, um, the ice is sticking to your face and the raft and snow blowing sideways and your hands are frozen <laughs> it's all worth it though when you pull those king eiders out of the water yeah those are the coolest ducks in my they're opinion cool. they're very special like how many of those can you how what's a limit like there for king eiders so for non-residents you're allowed to shoot four season of any sea duck in alaska oh wow so, and I, I think it's up to 16 total so you can shoot four of each species a season up to 16 birds total okay so you know out there we'd mostly get um King Eiders, Full Squaw, Harlequin, uh, Random Scoter every once in a while. So, like, those guys are coming up. They're shooting maybe eight, ten birds. Yeah. Yeah. But they're all, they're all going on the wall. They're just – and the experience is something else. You know, you're out there and the crab boats are coming past you into this <laughs> little tiny island to dump their crabs. And the weather's just disgusting and it's cold and freezing and – 
you're on a little native island called yeah. St. Paul Island. It's it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, because I've seen St. Paul Island. I know Tony Vandemore was up there. I watched that. Yeah, video. yeah, I was there with him. That's oh, when no I was kidding. Working. Yeah. How was he? What's that? How was he? Did you like him? Oh, yeah. Good guy. Yeah, he's a nice, nice guy for sure. He was out of his element. It was pretty fun uh, seeing that. Yeah. And, uh, no, I ended up after that going to work for him for a few years doing snow geese. Okay. Uh, yeah, really nice guy. I just kind of got out of that, so I haven't been back, but. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, he's got quite the setup over uh, where he's at. Oh, for sure. And growing. Seems like every year they're getting bigger. Yeah, I feel like every year they're dropping a new lodge. I know. <laughs> uh, good for him. He works hard at it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. I mean, all throughout the summer and all the stuff that I love watching his stuff on, like, growing all the habitat or fixing whatever it is, putting up new duck blinds. I think that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice that he, he gives a little information on how he does everything. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's super fun to watch. And then, like, just go out there, go smash up some mallards, like, every day and just... <laughs> like that's that's pretty cool to be able to do that yeah for sure yeah and so how is it um filming with those guys up there like with all that oh, that, was a, that was a fun experience um you know we had it was a big operation it was for finale and mm-hmm. a couple other companies we did that to kill a king and uh it was a lot of fun yeah it I was can... hard it's hard it doesn't get very light there it's low light so they you know that was the hardest part with them was getting enough light for filming and uh, okay. stuff like that. But um, as far as the birds, it was really good when they showed up. Had a lot of a lot of good hunts, and um, they were all good people. Made a lot of friends from that, and yeah, yeah. it was fun. Yeah, it was all around good hunt. Yeah, like the amount of camera equipment. I bet that was tough on the camera equipment a little bit up there. <laughs> It was. It was. Uh, those poor cameramen, it was like, as soon as we got back to the lodge every day, they were tearing their gear apart and getting all the salt water out of it because um, it's just nasty out there. It's so dang windy, and there's, like, this sandy dust in the air that gets and everything in your guns and in their camera gear, and you just can't hide from the elements out there. It's just brutal on gear. Yeah. So when you— but yeah, they get home, they were, they were scrubbing and cleaning and trying to keep all their stuff clean the best they could anyways yeah oh I hear yeah and like so when you were guiding up there were you living up there like yeah it's a tiny little island up there so we were you know King Eider season was about a month okay. it's longer but they were only in that area for about a month so it was like right after Christmas to I think towards the end of January we'd be out there okay yeah fair. and it's like uh, I mean it's two I think it's like two three miles wide by 12 miles long this island out in the middle of nowhere Jeez. in the Bering Sea so yeah you fly a plane out there I think a plane comes in twice a week with, and then it's just a small little uh, native village out there there's native Alaskans I think there's about a couple hundred of them and then there's a trident fish processing that does all the crab that time of year okay other than that there's nothing there yeah yeah that'd be that'd be a whole different way of life living up there very i mean world war three could happen you'd never even know yeah <laughs> oh yeah i can't imagine yeah, I, they have much technology up there no i mean it's just it's hard to get anything there cars yeah. you know everything's got to come in by bar so there's 
you know, like our our vehicles, especially, were really old, really run down. You're always trying to keep them going, but it's just hard to get it here out there. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. even like lumber to work on things, stuff like that. It, you know, it's a little stuff you think of. You're paying six bucks a gallon for fuel. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Um, hard living. Yeah, no kidding. That'd be. It'd be a very cool spot to live, but also a very tough spot to live. It is. You know, I I did, I think, three or four seasons up there, and um, towards the end of it every year, you're, like, ready to get off the damn island. <laughs> yeah. At all. On the first two days, you know? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, some of the craziest storms I've ever seen was there. We had one that was blowing, like, 95 miles an hour one day. Jeez. Um, there was a crab boat. They're like where they where they dump the crab. There's uh, you know, they they unload the crab, but there's no harbor for the boats. So they pretty much have to leave the harbor. And this one boat came in in the storm, and he had to leave. And the rollers were so big coming in the the harbor that they were going over the break wall. I mean, they were twenty foot waves, maybe even thirty foot waves. Who knows? Oh my God. And this crab boat was trying to get out of the harbor, and he was there for like an hour and a half, almost in the same spot, just beating waves, trying to get out. It's just the weather out there is incredible. That's insane. Yeah, it's just you—you you wouldn't think that wind can blow so hard until you go there. <laughs> yeah, I thought the wind sometimes blew hard here, but I take that back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, you'd be out there for a month; it wouldn't be nothing to see forty miles an hour wind at least once a week jeez oh yeah it's just and you're always bouncing around trying to make it work trying to get a hunt there and you know there's a lot of the times clients can't get out or the clients that are there can't leave yeah and uh you know always seem to make it work but there's a lot of days you're sitting around because of weather not hunting yeah oh i can imagine and like how far is it from like how far is that island from other landmarks or whatever oh it's a couple i don't quote me but i think it's like 500 miles from anchorage oh my god yeah it's uh i mean you're flying over the bering sea for a while before you hit that island i mean it's it's out there it's got to be shoot i don't even know i think sometimes we'd fill up the knack knack or dillingham and I think it's another hour and 45 minutes of just flying over ocean before you hit it. It's like a four or five hour flight from Anchorage. Dang. That's, that's intense. Yeah, it's far. It's, it's a tough one. I mean, it's, it's, it's rule of I've, I've ever been. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. I'm looking at the you're you're going rule and then you're going even farther. Yeah. I'm looking at the map right now. Holy jeez. Yeah. yeah, it's out there. Those are the priv lots. And if you looked at like, um, if you looked at like a map that had uh, contour lines of the ocean and stuff, you'd see that there's the Bering Sea shelf that goes right across St. Paul Island. And on the south side of that, it drops off real deep. So those King Eiders come down from the top of Alaska. They fly down to that shelf and they pretty much follow that to feed all the way to Russia. But like the only land they hit down that far is St. Paul Island. Yeah. That's why you shoot them there. They're following that shallow, that shallow, like, cliff wall that goes all the way to Russia. Dang. So would you guys hunt on St. Paul Island, like, on the 
edges and stuff or would you go out into the sea uh, if we had to if you know the better hunting was definitely from the boat but like a lot of the times if there was weather it's kind of funny like when we'd hunt from land it's just opposite of what any waterfowler would ever do you want strong wind right in your face because um you're pretty much just past shooting hoping to get a shot but you need the wind to blow them to shore yeah because there's i mean you know there was times we'd shoot birds in the surf and it'd be like 15 foot breakers on the waves and then you're just you shoot them and then you got to time it and they'd come flying up on shore and you grab them and it's it's wild <laughs> but other than that we really didn't hunt land it's all by boat yeah you, there's a couple spots you could get away with like them passing by and you get a couple shots at at some if, and we'd do that if we had to but even still it's not it's hard because usually when we're doing that it's nasty out and you got to sit there and look into it and you're sitting on rocks and um it's kind of funny you're sitting in old like blinds that the natives made to shoot sea lions and seals oh wow so you're sitting on a bunch of shell casings and made out of rock it's it's definitely weird that would be that'd be really cool like that's yeah those those native alaskans there um that St. Paul Island is the biggest fur seal rookery in the world, so that's like their bread and butter. No kidding. Mm-hmm. They eat a lot of it. In fact, I had a bunch of kids out one time. I was cleaning birds, and I asked them if they'd rather eat a cheeseburger or a seal, and they all said seal. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. So is there quite a few seals on that island then? That they yeah, the, when we're out there, like, the seals come in. They It's a rookery, so they that's where they have their babies. Okay. And that's like... I, I don't don't quote me but that's spring or summer or something when we're there's winter yeah and there's sea lions around but there's uh there's no seals okay but they do hunt the sea lions for meat too yeah god that's that's so crazy to think about like going to hunt sea lions or seals or whatever it is and that's what you're eating yeah that's what they're used to that's what they got yeah gotta they gotta got take that. advantage got of it on the island what was that They've got reindeer on the island and seals and sea lions and birds. It's about all they got. Oh, wow. Foxes. Yeah. They don't get the foxes, though. Yeah, I can imagine. I bet they... Do they trap them at all and, like, make clothes and stuff out of them? Uh, not so much. They don't... They actually really like the foxes. It's because they can't have dogs. Okay. Uh, because it's such a huge um, fur seal rookery... I guess that I what I was told is that seals and dogs are very closely related and they can transfer diseases. So it's a no dog island. So they kind of love their foxes. They're kind of around and um, they really like their foxes. Kind of like a pet for them. Yeah, I mean, they're not like living in the house and yeah. stuff, but they're definitely <laughs> like they're running through the village. They're kind of all over the place. You see them every day. Dang. I can't. So seals and dogs. I wonder how they would be like. I, I think wonder. they're both. Kids. Yeah. Huh. Oh, I guess that's how. That and it's one of the only few. It's a, a rat-free island as well. They're very proud of that. Like they have a rat inspector that inspects every boat before they tie up in the harbor. And oh wow. Um, yeah, they've got a whole bunch of weird little things about them. Yeah. Have you ever? Uh, I was looking at St. Paul and there's an island south of it. Would you guys ever go like hunt that? St. George? Uh, yeah, I think so. 
No. I've landed on St. George once. There's even smaller little community there. But St. George is like round and straight cliffs up. Oh, okay. And deeper around it. So they don't get the birds that St. Paul gets. Okay. Fair enough. Do you guys ever... Have they ever shot like an, a King Eider band, or do have they ever done that? Or yeah, before my time, they got a few. I guess uh, back in the day, there was an oil spill, and uh, they banded a few during the oil spill. That and then I think I think there's been two or three of them shot. I don't know exactly, but um, uh, those are the only bands. From to my knowledge, I don't think they've ever done like a the biologist has ever done a project but i think every time they caught a bird in the spill they put a band on it oh wow now that'd be yeah that'd be something to oh, see that'd be quite the trophy i think the year before i went up there they shot one dang that'd be the yeah that'd be unbelievable that's a once in a lifetime bird once mm-hmm. in everyone's lifetime bird yeah i've seen a lot of them die i've never seen one yeah no, that'd be that'd be pretty sweet. Do you guys like over in California? Do you get a lot of waves and stuff like that? Or are you guys struggling at all with that? Get a lot of what? Like a lot of waves. Like, is, does it get really choppy out there or anything? Or not too bad? Oh yeah, it does. I mean, we get storms blow through. Um, so if you look at the shape of the bay, though, like there, there's options a lot of the times. If it's blowing from the south, there's places you can hunt to be protected, or vice versa. And um, I mean, there is days that sometimes you have to cancel but it's pretty rare yeah basically for the most part you tuck in somewhere and if you're tucking and usually the birds want to tuck in and hide from it too yeah which makes hunting yeah i can imagine yeah because i'm looking at san francisco bay and stuff like that right now i mean it's a pretty big body of water it's giant and it runs it runs like there's a little river i'm looking at or something that runs all the way through like Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's the Sac River, McCollumy. Okay. Does, yep. an, does so anyone Sac ever hunt that? Asta. That's a huge river. Yeah. Yeah. Does anyone ever hunt out there? Yeah. Yeah. All the way down. I mean, so that Sac River pretty much runs through where I was talking of like where the whole rice, the valley is and stuff like that. So oh, okay. I go all the way up. To pretty much where it goes, it's it's duck country. Yeah, there's yeah. there's tons. Of, we have giant wildlife refuge out here. We have Sacramento Wildlife Refuge and Delavan, and um, yeah, this it's it's pretty crazy. You drive for hours through duck country. Yeah, because I'm looking at it and I can see all the <laughs> mountain ranges, and then on like the south end of the river, and then you get all those fields and stuff like that. Yep, um, yep, that'd be the Sac Valley. Yeah, that's sweet. Uh, so how far away, how far of a drive is that from you then? Is that like, I'm looking at it. From where I am? Yeah. You cut out for a minute. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, how far of a drive is that? Is that pretty far drive or not too bad? It depends where you're going in the valley. It's anywhere from, you know, like an hour and a half to two and a half hours. Okay. It's not terrible. No, it's not terrible. And a lot of people, you know, they all, a lot of the people that hunt it, they live in the bay, they work in the bay and uh, head up on the weekends and do the weekend hunt thing. Yeah. Sacramento, you know, so a lot of the cities and then you go out to your spot and go hunt for the weekend. Yeah. It's like my, my grandpa had a club growing up 
and it'd be fun. You know, you go up on Friday and they had a clubhouse, big old fire, make big meals, and you go hunt the mornings and come back, hang out, watch football. And that's kind of the thing. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. How's uh, COVID been for you guys? <laughs> Does that affect- All right, we've got old Gavin Newsom just putting more and more restrictions every day. Yeah. But, I mean, for the most part, it's normal. It's it's weird when you go out to stores and you have such mixed opinions out here, which can be weird, you know? <laughs> yeah. You got the people who think if you're not wearing a mask that you're going to give them COVID, and then you got the people that don't care, and it's funny. You'll see, you'll see arguments all over the place because one guy's not wearing a mask and the other person gets mad and definitely different has it affected your guiding season at all uh i'd say only for the better i think everyone's sick of it they want to go do something yeah you know i was in alaska i i run a halibut boat up there and uh we were late this year starting but we had one of the busiest seasons ever just because i think everyone was over it they found out you could still fly to alaska and um it was busier than hell yeah yeah i I think that's what everyone's kind of feeling in the guiding industry yeah. that I've talked to. I mean, yeah, everyone's over it. Yeah, like besides the guys that I talked to, um, like right at the beginning of COVID during spring snows. But other than that, I mean, I feel like everyone now, it's just like everyone wants to get out. Everyone's sick and tired of sitting at home. Like everyone can work from home. So go do some trips, whatever it is. And yeah. Yeah, it's for for sure. I think it's done nothing but help the guide industry, the trips, stuff like that. The stuff you can do, you know. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Uh, we lost we lost so much work when it started in Alaska, and then pretty much everything we picked up was last minute stuff, which on a normal year you can't get away with because everyone's booked solid up there. But just it was kind of a fun year. Yeah. Oh, and I busier in Alaska was really cool to us because of COVID. They loosened up a lot of their restrictions for us they made it a lot easier for us so um we lost you know pretty much till about mid-june we didn't do much and then and then we worked pretty much every day since okay so is that what you do during the summer then yeah i run a i run a fishing boat up there nice what are you guys chasing after just halibut mainly mostly halibut lingcod rockfish salmon okay but uh main the main target is halibut yeah i've never had halibut but i know people say it's super good oh it's as good as it gets i'm sure you've had walleye yep yep (laughs) (laughs) no kidding i'm a saltwater guide i'd always say it's better yeah oh you have to like no but it's very good it's very similar to walleye it's a you know white meat not a ton of flavor you could cook it about anyway and hard to mess up it's very good yeah yeah and there's some pretty cool fish like the rock fish and stuff like that how do those taste they're very good too another the link cod the rock fish pretty much everything we catch is good yeah uh salmon salmon's the only thing that's you know a little different but everything else it's pretty much like a mild white fish okay okay yeah and what's it uh what's it like running a boat up there it's fun it's it's uh um good fishing 
hard to, you know, it's just busy. It's fun. You get to go out every day and kill fish. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. How many guys can you fit on a boat? Like when you I got out there? So up to six. Okay. Okay, I got you. Uh, we we kind of do longer range trips. Um, I kind of fish two different areas, Manel Chick and then Homer. And Homer's like a, a long range combo, so that's a lot of fun. I get to burn a lot of fuel, uh, <laughs> go real far, fish some crazy stuff that's pretty untouched, and um, it's fun because you never know what the hell you're gonna catch out there. Yeah. What's like the coolest thing you've caught out there that you didn't kind of expect to catch out there? We, I've caught like in my time, I've caught like three or four octopus. Oh, wow. Which are really cool. They're big. You know, I mean, if you were to hold one up by its head and the tentacles hang down, I mean, they're longer. They're probably six feet. Jeez. Yeah, they're big, red, funky. You'll cut the tentacle off and like use it for bait, bring it back up an hour later and the thing's still moving. Weird. <laughs> Um, so they're real cool what else I've never landed one there's salmon sharks which is kind of like a mako or a great white okay um, oh shoot I caught a killer whale once that was cool really <laughs> yeah, yeah we were reeling up a halibut and it ate the halibut on the way up oh my god <laughs> we didn't like nothing but yeah right next to the boat it was really cool jeez <laughs> No, that's quite the experience. It's wild up there, you know, especially when you're bottom fishing. There's all sorts of stuff down there. There's these big old sleeper sharks, and you never really know. I mean, mostly halibut on the bottom, but there's yeah. other stuff around. Yeah. Do you it's guys fun. see a lot of killer whales? Yeah, yeah, quite a few. A lot of killer whales, a lot of humpback whales, minky whales. Um, one Actually, one time we were coming back, we were way the hell out there. And we were about halfway back, and me and my deck end, we ran into like, I don't know, hundreds of humpback whales. Jeez. It sounds crazy saying that, but like, there'd be like a pod of like 10 of them, and then you'd look behind them, and there's 10 more. And then off in the distance, you see a ton, and they just were everywhere eating. And birds died in the water. It was like the great migration of humpback whales or something. Wow. That's <laughs> <It was> cool. <laughs> it's always fun. You never get sick and tired of looking at whales. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's one thing I still have yet to see as a whale. I've never, never yeah, had the experience. Like, no, yeah, that'd be that'd be sweet to see though, and just be out on the water like that. Yeah, it's always it's always you know they catch they catch you off guard. There's been times where you're just fishing and then one will just full breach out of the water right next to you. And it scares you every time, but like yeah, every time you see one special. Yeah. Yeah, do they get, like, ever close to the boat, really? Like, do they kind of know yeah. not to? Oh, yeah, no, I mean, they'll come right up. We had a killer whale this year. He was kind of by the boat, and he was real curious. And then he literally swam under the side of the boat and stopped. Like, you could see his eye three feet under the boat, under the water, just looking at us for a second. And then he went off and popped up, like, 100 feet away. Oh, my God. Yeah, but he was, like, my low water <laughs> alarm, like, I've got an alarm on the underside of my boat. Like, if you're in shallow water, it starts going off. Yeah. And it's going off because I thought it was land, you know. I mean, he was literally under the boat. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I've heard stories. A buddy of mine was out fishing, and killer whales would go up and drag his anchor line, like, put their nose on it and push the boat forward and let it slide back in the current. And <laughs> that's getting catchier, but they'll mess with you. Oh, my God. That's... Because they're such a curious, like, whale, aren't they? 
that's what i've yeah, heard very smart. like just super intelligent and super like just curious on what everything's going on yep yep so they're always messing messing around and you'll see them here and there and it kind of seems like it comes in waves you'll see a bunch of killer whales for a while and then you won't see one for a long time and then they'll be back but Jeez. yeah they're they're all over the place Jeez. yeah no that's that's awesome i was looking at uh your instagram and you had a picture of an emperor goose yeah what was that like Hot, part fun. of that um that's pretty cool because i've seen them forever up there you know and when they finally opened the season and being that i'm alaska resident i was able to hunt one and um just holding one in your hands is pretty special they're big they're like a they're a little bigger than a speckle belly but they're just cool they sound they actually sound a lot like a speckle belly but just like a longer like three it's like a three cluck kind of thing and um when i shot mine there was like they so they they're they live on the beaches and there's this freshwater creek and i set up right on it and i started decoying them and i was just letting them go looking for a good one shot mine picked it up and just sat there and i bet you 500 of them like came within 15 yards of me and like used this water thing and it's it's just cool because they're such a pretty bird jeez i mean when the sun's shining like that white head is just the whitest white and you see it from so far away yeah no but yeah it's they're special that's that's such a cool like experience to go do oh it was yeah and um yeah i'm curious to see where it goes i kind of heard rumor they're going to shut it back down oh really yeah, I heard they weren't going to give out tags next year to non-residents, or who knows? They're you never know with the the guys and counting the numbers, and if they're not in one spot by this time, they say they don't exist. And yeah, so who? And so, does every resident get one uh, tag for Emperor Geese? So and- every resident can hunt them. You have to you have to not put in, but you have to go to like fishing game and get a tag. Mm. And then all of Alaska, where they're at, is broken up into areas, and they all have quotas. So you have, I think, I don't know if it's 24 or 48 hours after you kill it, you have to report it to Fish and Game and tell them that you've killed it. Okay. And uh, once that area reaches the amount, they shut it down. Oh, wow. So like Kodiak, for example, say they can shoot 150, you know, you have 48 hours to turn it in, and once they hit 150 emperor goose season's closed but like any resident can go do it until it hits 150 but there's like no waterfowlers in alaska it's all big game guys yeah so you know for the most part i don't think an area has ever hit their quota huh. and it's rural you know where they're at it's not there's no emperor geese really in the areas where people live so i mean you got to be pretty dang rural just to find one yeah yeah. And most people aren't going to spend their time up in Alaska. They're not going to spend their time to fly out to the middle of nowhere to go shoot a bird when they can go do that and shoot a moose <laughs> or a caribou or a bear or a mountain goat or a sheep, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, waterfowling is not super busy in Alaska. Okay. And when you shot yours, was that out on St. Paul Island? No, that was in a different spot. Okay. 
Okay, I got you. I'm not going to tell you. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I would not expect you to give me that, that secret out. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, you got you to gotta have your secret spots. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, for sure. There, um, I've never seen an Emperor Goose on St. Paul. St. Paul's cool. It's really, it's really weird. You'll get, like, random weird stuff that you'd never expect blowing out on St. Paul, but I've never seen an Emperor Goose. I saw a Brant once, which was lost. Yeah. You know, they a lot of uh, Lucian teal, if you've ever heard of those. Huh. It's uh, pretty much a green wing teal. There's like a couple different things on them that's different. Like on a green wing teal, they've got a white bar that right in front of their their wing pocket goes down on the side of them. Okay. And on a teal, it goes across their back above the wing. They're a little bigger. So, you know, it gets, they get a few of those out there. I shot a Eurasian widgeon out there once. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, we've seen mallards and pintails and spectacle eiders. But, like, it's always, like, one or two. Besides the teal, you'll just see, like, a random thing there. It's there for a day or two, then they, they leave. Yeah. It's, uh, I think I think it's, like, storms and stuff. Birds get lost. They find that land. They sit there, and then they try and get their way out of there. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, that would be, that'd be badass to shoot a Eurasian widgeon. That is... That's my number one bucket list bird. They're cool. They're very cool. Um, I actually got to shoot them in Scotland too, which was really fun. Um, I went out there hunting, and it's, it feels illegal when you're hunting in Scotland because you're you're shooting lead and you're shooting <laughs> you're shooting baited ponds at night. You know, <laughs> it's perfectly legal. But it was funny because, like, I mean, we had a great hunt and. I was hunting with Aberdeen Guide Service on Instagram. Yeah. Um, Christian. And, uh, uh, you know, it was like the last hunt when I finally got the Eurasian. But, like, I wanted one so bad. And I didn't care either way. I had a great hunt. But we shot the shit out of the geese. Every night we hunted a different loaf or a roost pond. So that's what you're doing. You're hunting these ponds and they're coming back to roost. And, like, you're not hiding. You're just sitting like the one we shot shoot i think we shot like 40 geese coming back to roost on this baited pond of barley <laughs> sitting on a uh old cobblestone scotland wall just sitting up against it as they're coming in just beating on them in the dark oh my god uh, yeah it was fun the last night it got way dark and so you're hunting like you know once it gets real dark you can't see anything mm-hmm. so it's like you're not really hunting anymore but uh it was like almost too dark and finally you heard it whistling and you know and we got all excited pounded them and then the hunt was over and then you got to go collect them all and it's like mallards mallards teal mallards teal and then they're like yeah here it is and i was with another guy who was a uh he was from virginia ben he works for du and him too we both wanted one and we ended up shooting two real nice drakes so it was fun that's really sweet yeah it was cool cool experience that is that's crazy to be able to just go shoot lead in unbaited ponds. Oh, yeah. It was wild. And, I mean, legal is their rules. Yeah. And he shoots the crap out of them proper, you know, in the fields. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of like a fun thing. He takes you out and does it a couple times. It's different. Um, it's just, it's cool, especially for Americans. And he takes a lot of uh, Europeans from different countries and stuff like that, too. But... I think he likes to do it, especially with the Americans, because he comes over every year and hunts snow geese and stuff, and he knows our rules and yeah, um, something special for us to do. Oh yeah, hundred percent. 
I bet it's weird for him not to be able to shoot lead when he comes over here. That's <laughs> <laughs> all they got. I don't think they got steel over there. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, Why that, would you? you didn't have to shoot it. Yeah. That'd be... Yeah, that'd definitely be a um, trip of a trip of a lifetime to go over to Scotland. Oh yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I'd like to get back there. Yeah, shooting pink-footed geese and gray lag geese and what we shoot mallards and and then the Eurasians and then they got the common teal, which is also a lot like a green wing teal. They call it a common teal. I think it's a little different. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was talking to. Uh, Cody Stokes about his experience out in um, New Zealand and he was saying like it's kind of the same thing like you shoot lead over there like um, they have no limits like you don't even have to buy a license like they're considered uh, like pests because there's no predators for them and so no limit no license yeah, he's like, yeah, like, there's no predators, so, like, you can hunt them all year round, and then you shoot lead or whatever it is, and do, like, all this stuff, and I'm like, jeez, like, it'd be, it'd be lit to go shoot lead at geese, because that would, that would crunch quite a few more birds. Hell yeah. Jeez, <laughs> like, but yeah, do you guys ever get, like, have you ever seen a Eurasian Woodgen over in California? Yeah, um... In fact, there's more and more every year. It seems like the place to get them is Oregon. Oregon holds a ton of widgeon, and it seems like every year you've seen a bunch die. But, like, shoot, I know of three or four that died last year in California. Oh, wow. A buddy of mine was out hunting, and they shot one, and then another guy told me about one. And I used to do taxidermy back in the day. I mounted one for my old boss. and um, I mean, they're, they're around. Yeah. Yeah, more and more like yeah it's definitely something uh that'd be sweet to shoot gotta go to scotland yeah yeah i'm definitely gonna have to try to make a trip out to scotland to go shoot a eurasian widgeon yeah it's awesome like from the stories i've heard out there that you're telling me it sounds like quite the time yeah it's a lot of fun like you know that's sweet and so like all their geese over there and stuff like that, are they throwing like spreads like you would here? They hunt them. They hunt them pretty much just like we hunt them. You know, they're throwing big spreads and uh, layout lines and doing the same thing we do during the day for the morning hunt. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, that's that's sweet. Like you you've been on some pretty neat trips then. Yeah, yeah, I've been fortunate to bounce around. Like, go up in Alaska, Scotland. Yeah, shot birds in Australia. How was that? That's fun. I was actually living down there for a while. Um, Australia's a really cool place to hunt and fish. Oh, I can imagine. So what, uh, were you hunting waterfowl out in Australia then? What's that? Were you hunting waterfowl out in Australia? I did a little bit. So what's it like out there? Uh, what are the ducks and stuff? Um, it kind of depends. I mean, it's a huge country, but, like, they've got up north, they've got these geese called magpie geese, uglier than hell. Um, they shoot the crap out of them. They're a big goose. They land in, like, the mango trees. Oh, so on wow. the tops, they land in trees like freaking crows. 
or magpies, I guess. Uh, yeah, boys. They've got those. They've got, uh, I think my favorite duck out there was the Pacific black duck, which looks like a black duck, except it's got two stripes across its face. Oh, wow. That's a really cool bird. Um, they have one they call a wood duck, which is actually called, uh, it's a goose. It's a goose. It's like the size of like a widgeon. And it's called, uh, what's that thing called? I'll think of it. But they call it a wood duck. It's really cool. They've got, you know, the hens or the females and the males look different. The males are real pretty. They got like this emerald green wing with a white bar on top. They, they call them. I don't know. I'll think of it. I think it's a. Uh, Australian wood duck. I looked up that. You um, find it? It's got like a green wing. Yeah, it's like scientific name is Chunita Chumbata or something like that. That's probably what it is. It's um, it's I think it's like related to the pygmy geese. I'm trying to think. They look super um, weird. Yeah, they're funky. But they, I mean, they told me it was a wood duck, and the first one I picked up, I look at the bill, I'm like, man, that's a goose bill. Yeah, me. <laughs> do my research they all call them wood ducks but they are not ducks yeah because they got that goose yeah i'm looking at them they got like a brown head and then um oh the males do and then they got that like it looks like a little small cackler bill on it yeah exactly and they're tiny they're they're literally the size of like a widgeon or smaller yeah huh that's super cool to see Dang, that, yeah, because it's got like main goose. Yeah, main. Yeah, yeah. That's what it popped up as. But dang, so you've seen some pretty, pretty neat waterfall in your day, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been fortunate. It, it's fun. It's uh, I've kind of like really gotten into. I, mean, I shouldn't say gotten into. I, it's not like I have anything planned, but I find it really fun to hunt other countries. You know, so they're foreign just kind of funky areas yeah if i'd it, like to uh, get something else planned do another one yeah i was gonna say if there would be a trip that you would take now that you haven't yet what would that be for waterfall if you had one in mind oh man i don't know i really want to shoot barnacle geese barnacle uh, geese yeah i'd like to shoot they're like uh very closely related to a brant which is like my favorite goose and um they're up uh, mostly like real northern Europe all those countries up there Norway stuff like that they come in off the ocean um, they're super pretty that or the red breasted goose is very cool they're over in Russia but I think they're protected now they didn't used to be so I don't know if you can hunt them anymore huh um, what else would I like to do that I like the geese Facing those weird geese. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I, I'm I looking think, at that barnacle goose. That is so cool. Very cool, huh? I think it's like Norway or Sweden. I had a bunch of research I did a couple years ago. I don't remember, but they shoot Canada geese and they pile them up like 400 a day. Jeez. Yeah, and no one knows about it. There's some spot over there. They shoot. That'd be fun. And I think they get the barnacles too. One of those. One of those. Uh, Viking countries up there. <laughs> Piling up 400 Canada geese a day. Yeah, there's pictures. Like, I'm looking at, like, I found all these websites of guys, and it's all foreign, you know, writing and stuff. 
and you're looking through the pictures and it's just like five guys standing in front of 400 Canada geese and then there's a pile of like 300 of them. <laughs> it's insane. Jeez. Yeah, right. it puts less on the shame. Yeah, no kidding. But uh, yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of cool stuff um, I'd like to do. And I'm kind of open to all of it. Just, you know, everything I've done so far has kind of just been opportunities put in front of me. And I've never really planned any of it. I was working in Australia and hanging out down there and uh, got to do some waterfowl and some fun stuff down there. But it's not like I, I flew down there to hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dang. And, uh, yeah. So I'd like to I'd like to plan a trip to do something cool. Yeah. Maybe once COVID's over. Yeah. <laughs> then you can start moving around a little bit, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Not right now. No, no. That was a uh, shame that they I'd closed like Canada, though. Huh? That was a shame that they closed Canada. I know. I got to drive through it. It was funky. Um, you know, being that I was essential going going to work in Alaska and then coming back down. Um, and when I was at the border coming back down, when I went up, it wasn't too bad. It was when covid first kind of kicked off okay and then coming back down and i guess it was about october or something uh the lady was super nice at the border of canada but like she looked up all my info found that i do it every year and um she uh gave me this like document that had all these seals and stuff on it and i had like a week to get out of canada I had 24 hours to get out of the Yukon and a week to get out of Canada, and I had to turn that paper in at the southern border. Huh. And if I didn't, they'd have put a warrant out for my arrest. Jeez. I know, they were very serious. <laughs> so we called ass through there and got out of there. And, uh, but yeah, yeah, it's kind of a shame they didn't open up the waterfowl season. Yeah, because I mean, we hunted, so we hunted North Dakota every year, and I mean, the amount of people this year because Canada was closed was ridiculous. I like that. Like, you're seeing trucks from everywhere. Like, you'll never see a North Dakota license plate when you're in the back roads. I mean, it's all like like hunters, I'm saying. And then, I mean, you'll see people from Illinois, Tennessee, like, at, realistically anywhere. Like, I saw people from California. I mean, yeah. Everyone went there, huh? Yeah. I mean, that that, that border closed was a big change for North Dakota. They brought in a lot of revenue. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. And saved a lot of birds' lives. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I feel like nobody up there in Canada does, like, a ton of waterfowl, and it's all people that come from the United States. And yeah, for sure. I do. Yeah. Like, a good majority of it is just from people coming from down here. And then, uh, God, who was I talking to that they were, like, they'd go to the border, or they went to the border of Canada to go hunt, like, waterfall or whatever, and the border guy's like, you stupid Americans coming all the way up to Canada, you know the birds fly south, right? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, it's it's something really cool. I'd like to go chase waterfall up in Canada. That'd be a trip I'm trying to make happen next year if they open up the border. Yeah, we gotta do it. Sounds like it's a, it's a water fest. Yeah, no, you can shoot like eight ducks, 
and however many geese or whatever it is, and then the snow is just gets stupid up there. Mm-hmm. And that would be just an absolute blast. Like, and it's weird because like you think about it, you can shoot eight ducks. There's no like limitations on hen mallards or anything. Like, just send it. Like, <laughs> don't matter. Don't matter to Canada. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, I've never really waterfowled Canada, but I'd like to. Yeah, like I have buddies that make a trip up there like every year. You can run like e collars for snows in the fall and like just like oh yeah. They're just like, yep, yeah, fuck it. Like, whatever. Do what you want. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, just shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> just take out the bird population. Like, I mean, even for us, like, I feel like the geese are, this year have been, like, just, they're a little bit dumber just because they haven't been shot to shit up in Canada. Oh, I believe it. Yep. Like. I'm sure the, the hunting in the Midwest is going to be a lot better this year. Yeah. I mean, they had patches, and then to close the border, I mean, that's a lot of birds that are now coming down, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's going to be a good season, I'd say, all the way through. It seems like it's already started out to be a good season. Yeah. And then, for us, I mean, they didn't push down as early as they usually do just because they weren't getting shot up out there, I feel yeah. like. I mean, they started to come down a little bit later than usual. Could have been that reason, or just because it's been warm as warm as all hell all year long. But I mean, I don't know. We had one freeze up here that was cold in October, and it got down to like 15, 10 degrees. Snowed quite a bit. Snowed like 10 inches, and then the next week it was 75 degrees. Jeez, and hard I, to pattern anything with that. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's sweet. Like right right in time perfect like I love 75 degree weather in November <laughs> yeah it sounds like you're in California <laughs> we'll have that in January oh yeah that's <laughs> no that's something else <laughs> cause like yeah how cold does it get like what's your coldest temperatures out there when you guys get like later in the season oh I mean it's rare to see anything in the 30s like 40s is pretty dang cold 50s 60s is you know that's pretty much winter and yeah. then you know it just depends on the year I mean I've seen it go all the way through and it's just like 65 every day it's all the way through December January oh wow yeah so it's it's chilly though now I mean it's you know I mean I know I'm talking to someone from freaking Minnesota <laughs> but you know it's like 40s most of the morning warming up to like 50s yeah which for for here it's it's definitely changed yeah a month ago it was 80 jeez now when when you're talking like 40 and stuff are people out there like wearing big jackets or anything or like are they oh, yeah. it? they're all scarfed up and beanies and big jackets with their snow boots on even though it doesn't snow here and it's hilarious <laughs> oh that's awesome yeah I, oh yeah they're just like you guys are, except it's 40 degrees warmer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Dude, I mean, it'd be ideal. Like, for me, I love the cold. So, like, this is my favorite time of year. Like, if it could be 20 degrees all year 
long, I would have no problem with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't really like cold, but I don't like hot. Yeah, I can't I can't stand the heat. Like, if you're working outside or something in the middle of summer, so brutal. Like, oh, it is. Especially with our humidity over here, and you just sweat and sweat and sweat. Ugh. Like, it's just... Okay just nasty yeah that's not for me yeah now do that's you... like that's how it was in australia it's like that oh really Super humid 110 degrees and like Ooh. 90 percent. <laughs> it's awful that does not sound very fun yeah you got your air conditioning in your room running all night as soon as you step outside you're just soaked in sweat oh my god yeah i don't know how people would do it i mean they get used to it but i just I could not. I could never nope. imagine that. Like, even how bad does California get during the summer? Like, it gets hot. It, we're dry, but it gets hot. Like, the Bay Area, I mean, it'll get up over 100. Oh, my God. Yeah, so we get we get pretty damn warm. I mean, you know, down south gets hot, too. We're a little more humid than it is down south. Okay. Um, but it's, it's a drier heat than yeah. we don't have yeah we don't have the moisture that a lot of places do but it's still i mean it still gets pretty humid here i mean yeah. we got the bit so there's a lot of water but it's not like your guys's humidity yeah oh yeah yeah no like when i go to montana in the summer i love it because it's like it's like warm it's like 90 degrees but it's all dry heat so it's not like you're sweating or anything exactly like not, i can deal with that like i'd way rather have it like that in 85 degree weather than here when it's 75 and you're sweating your balls off for sure but yeah no it's it's fun gotta just grind through the summers get to the winter get to those negative 15 days yeah like that's that's my that's my ideal temperature to hunt get those real cold days and negative 15 oh it's so much fun dude I ain't going with you, man. It's too cold for me. <laughs> no, like, we, we had our best hunt last year when it was, like, snowed, like, a foot. And, I mean, it was blowing, like, 40. And then it was kind of been more than 10 degrees out. Ugh. Like, that was, that was a lot of fun. We had just ducks everywhere. Just shot our four-man limited green heads. In like 20 minutes, we're supposed to have nine guys. Five guys slept in, and I'm like, dude, should have been out there this morning. Like, it was rowdy. Hell yeah! <laughs> Crazy thing, how dumb those birds are, huh? Like they're short flight from Louisiana. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Go hang out in 80 degrees. Yeah. I mean, they'll sit here till everything freezes up. Like, there's open water. They're chilling here and negative 15 degree weather Jeepers. I don't know how they stay warm but they like they'll go sit on the rivers all day and then once those rivers finally freeze up then they'll push like the big geese they're tough as nails that's wild yeah but, I mean you'll have the ducks push out earlier I mean, they won't stay all year round. I mean, they'll stay pretty late, but once it gets really cold, they'll be like, all right, I don't yeah, need this. 
yeah, I got time for this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's it's fun. But yeah, like, does your weather, like, if it's really hot or really cold out there, does that change the hunting at all? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, it's like right now, it's just been such a mild year that hunting, especially for the puddle ducks, isn't as good. We're kind of just waiting on weather. We need a lot to push them down farther south. Yeah. Weather up north, northern storms, you know, that's kind of what gets them down here. And then it seems like uh, even when we have all the birds, like north winds, winds in particular really make the hunting good. Yeah. There's just so much water for them down here. You know, they flood all that rice. So there's so many options, and I think the wind just keeps them moving. Yeah. But as far as like what I do, the weather isn't as dependent. Okay. Okay. Like uh, doing the divers, the sea ducks. Um, I mean, there's days where it's just, if it's been just no wind for four or five days, those birds get stale. They get lazy. They're not moving as much, but um, we still usually can get it done or get some opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like every Instagram pick you guys have, it's just all sunny days and like do the clouds matter at all when you guys are trying to hunt or is it just uh not really um for the sea ducks and the divers i mean just the way that they are they 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 roost in an area and then they gotta feed so they pretty much have to move in the morning okay. regardless yeah so you know it's not not like other birds where they're feeding where they're roosting and you know they or they feed at night like they're they're moving first thing in the morning for the most part yeah i mean i've had like bizarre days where just nothing has really moved much but you're still getting some opportunity yeah yeah that'd be uh that'd be nice to kind of be able to hunt like that where it's just you can hunt through those super sunny days and then because like when it gets super sunny here they won't move really yeah even when like you have strong wind it don't matter like if it's super sunny out like today today like we'll go hunt this afternoon because it's supposed to be our first cloudy day or like first cloudy afternoon in probably like two weeks oh wow and so it's like the sun they'll sit on the water till 10 minutes before shooting lights over and then they'll finally get up go feed throughout that because it's like the warmest time of the day so they can keep the water open and then they'll go back to the roost but hopefully like today we're just thinking it's gonna be cloudy hopefully those birds just get off earlier which usually yeah. tends to happen um yeah, i've noticed that in oklahoma hunting mallards uh you know it's a last minute thing in the dry fields and those cloudy cold days they always move earlier yeah so what we're banking on today i mean hopefully like yesterday it was super sunny flew 15 minutes before shooting light when we scouted it and like just hoping that today they fly hopefully 30 minutes 45 minutes before shooting light that way you can rack up a nice little limit hell yeah but yeah no it should be it should be fun and like i don't know so like you were telling me that you'll shoot geese every once in a while out on the big water Mm-hmm. Like what kind of, so you're shooting, what kind of geese again? If you do shoot them, mostly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's pretty random, but they're just flying by, and you give them a call, they fly over, you hit them. 
Yeah. But, uh, I mean, they're around. You gotta, like, think the whole, pretty much the whole coastline is habitat and there's little ponds and salt water. And so there's puddle ducks kind of all over along the, the shorelines. Yeah. Puddle ducks, geese, for the most part, honkers. You don't see too many specks in the bay. They're more the Delta, the Sac Valley. Same with the snows. Okay. The Aleutian, but a lot of honkers in the bay. The Aleutians are a cool goose. They're very cool. Like, I've looked Weakers. at... Yeah, they're like... Aren't they like the size of a cackler and then they're... Yep, just about. So there's four different types of cacklers. Uh, the one that is called a cackler is a minima. And then you have your Aleutians and you have your dusky or sorry not your duskies um you have your richardsons and then you have the taverners okay so they're all cackling geese so an illusion is a cackling goose okay i got you and do you guys so are all four of those out in california no no we'll get a few cacklers we get all the illusions um the the uh the taverners pretty much go um, to like Oregon, the Willamette Valley, where the cacklers pretty much go. Okay. Um, and then the Richardsons are like the Midwest. With yeah. The, there a lot of the people that are shooting the lessers. There's a lot of Richardsons in that. So okay. like Colorado, Oklahoma, you shoot a lot of Richardsons. Kansas. Yeah. Okay. Um, I got they're, you. they're labeled as lessers out there, but there's a lot of Richardsons out there. Yeah. And so, like, the Aleutians, they're, they mainly just go to California, right? Yep. And yep they, uh, so they'll go to, like, the Humboldt area and stage there, and then the majority of them, they all go to the Delta, which is, like, when you were looking at that map, you are asking about those rivers right there. Okay. Just above Antioch. So right kind of our neck of the woods, that's where they all go. Yeah. And I was looking at, uh, like, I don't know if it was DU or whatever, and they showed the flight path of them. And they come from, like, Alaska, and they fly straight in one day, don't they? Uh, pretty quick. Yeah. They come from the Aleutian Islands. Yeah. In Alaska. Yep. And, um, yeah, they come down. I think they pretty much first stops, like, Northern California, Humboldt area. They stage there. There's They've got a lot of dairies, a lot of grass out there. Okay. They'll stay there and then they bounce down to the, um, down to here. Okay, I got you. And I think there's a ton of them now. I know that like at one time they were down to 400. They were on the endangered list. Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, well, all where they, where they breed back way back when Russia used to own Alaska, on all the islands they dumped tons of fur foxes, um, and they just let them go and let them breed and stuff, and then they'd come back and kill them for furs. That's same with why those foxes are on St. Paul Island. Um, all the Aleutian Islands has tons of foxes, and the foxes were eating all the eggs from the Aleutian from the Aleutian geese, and pretty much wiped them out to extinction. And huh. then they went out to those islands and just cleared out all the foxes, and they just came back strong. I mean, now it's a ten bird limit. Jeez. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. There's tons of them, but 40 years ago there was like 400 of them or something. Wow, that's crazy to think about. Like, yeah, now there's like two million or something crazy. Jeez, like the amount of like stuff that they can do for like helping those birds out, just grow those numbers is unbelievable. It's crazy. I mean, 
You know, you find out that the foxes that were never supposed to be there is the reason they decline. You get rid of the foxes and the numbers come back. Makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Do you ever go chase those geese? Pollutions? Uh, I have a few times. It's very hard. The Delta is very high dollar hunting. Hard to get on anywhere. Um, I've done it a few times. And then you shoot stragglers every once in a while, but um, I don't do it often. Yeah. Yeah. And are those like high dollar hunting areas? So is it like just a bunch of big guys from California that just have a ton of money to spend and yeah. then just go buy yeah. a bunch of land or lease like, a bunch of land? So like in the Delta, some of that, like depending on where you're at, that's probably some of the best hunting in North America as far as you go out, shoot two pintails, five mallards, and 10 geese every single day. Jeez. And, I mean, they pay for it. Some of those guys are playing, you know, hundred and something thousand dollars a season just for one spot. Oh my god! Yeah, so there's big dollar, but you know, it's it's also like closest to the bay. You're not commuting very far. You go out and you just beat on them. Lots of corn, lots of flooded corn, um, and it's just, I mean, it's goose central, and there's tons of ducks. It's yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Delta is very high dollar. There's a lot of areas in the Sac Valley that are high dollar. You know, if you get towards um, some of the different areas, that there's pockets of, like, very high dollar clubs. And that's just because they shoot more birds. Yeah. Dang. That's pretty, that's pretty insane to think about. Like, if they had that here, I mean, pretty tough for, like, kids like me or younger people to get on and hunt that kind of stuff or, like... It's very tough. There's, uh, but California also has a lot of public land. Yeah. Uh, that you can do good at, kids. You know, I mean, that's kind of how I did it. You start learning areas, you spend the time, you figure out how to kill them there. But yeah, I mean, a lot of those big high end areas are just comfortable, they're convenient. Yeah. And that's what they're paying for, but you can still get after it without it out here. Oh yeah. There's you just gotta learn it. Them, the guys that I've got some buddies that hunt the refuges two to three days a week and I mean they know it like the back of their hand they know when to go where they shoot limits almost every time yeah um, so and and California is very good with their public land and their refuges there's a ton of a ton of areas to hunt yeah throughout the whole state so you know as, as it is hard to get like you can't do what you do in the Midwest and get permission yeah on a lot of the on a lot of the private land but you do also have a ton of options as far as public land yeah yeah, because, like, Minnesota, they do a terrible job on pub- public land. Like, our public land is brutal for duck hunting. You you rarely ever see ducks on public. Like, you'll see a couple here and there, but, I mean, it like, over hunting, yeah, you could say that. A lot of people hunt, run into, like, four different groups out on public. That's another reason why I don't hunt it. But, like, it's just, like, I don't know. From what I've seen, what I've heard just minnesota is just not super great on building their public habitat they they're a lot more rural though too yeah yeah exactly i say it's not as important for you guys as it is for california yeah yeah because i mean i can go around and go get permission pretty easily i mean if you know how to have a conversation with somebody yeah and i mean you guys got more area like you know we're pretty urban out here so it's very important that the state and the feds have the the refuges areas for the ducks so it doesn't get developed one day you know yeah 
Oh, exactly. Yeah, no, I was watching, uh, I think, yeah, no, it was Hunt 41, where Ben did a hunt out in California, I think, on, like, some Mm -hmm. public land. That was pretty cool to watch. Yeah, that's my neck of the woods. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's a good dude. Yeah, have you talked to him before? Yeah, actually, I did a thing with Tangle Free that he filmed back in the day, the Charlie Show. Oh, no kidding. Mm Mm-hmm. So I've got to hunt with him. He's done some stuff, and he does a lot with Tangle Free. And uh, yeah, yeah, seems like a pretty, pretty cool dude. I mean, very can... talented. He came out, he came out when I was guiding in Kansas for that, and filmed with us in Kansas and in California. And um, very nice guy. Yeah. In fact, that was one of the times I shot illusions was on that. Oh wow. Yeah, we got a caller, and it was fun. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, now. He... He can do some work behind a camera. Yeah, very talented dude. Like, the films that they've created for Hunt 41, I mean, that's some, that's some badass filming. Yeah, for sure. Like, very, very cool to just, like, hear those people's stories and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. That's something I always like to watch is that kind of stuff. I mean, there's so many, like, people that do YouTube or whatever, but all that vlogging and I'd rather just like watch a film exactly something that someone's put some time into yeah like you're putting in a lot of work and it's like you have to create the story and everything and how you're gonna build it and it's just a whole different vision yeah for sure but yeah no dude that's that's pretty cool that's definitely uh definitely a pretty sweet film that they've been able to create but yeah yeah dude I mean like California and public is it like a lot of people are they running like mud motors and stuff out there out on yeah, those big flats do, you know, guys that hunt the marshes you know, there's a lot of mud motors kind of the marsh I go to um, I learned it pretty well because I don't have a mud motor but there's a lot of guys that run mud motors makes it easier when you're fighting tides up and down up in the delta there's a lot of stuff with mud boats um the hunting gets really good if we get a lot of rain a lot of the bypasses to the Sacramento River floods and uh, the ducks get in there and I'm always gone when it happens but it's pretty much like timber Arkansas hunting oh wow and so a lot of guys have boats for that if that happens you know you need a wet year but uh that's a lot of fun too yeah oh I can imagine so net shooting big, big trees shooting ducks coming down it's cool yeah that's something I'd like to go chase around to there's so many trips that like you can do as a waterfowl hunter I mean like the list really is endless <laughs> but yeah no that's that's awesome and then do you go do you guide after you leave California once your guys' season closes um I have the last few years. Uh, this year, I'll probably stay local. Looking to get a fishing boat to guide some stuff down here. Okay. And then Alaska in the spring. Yeah. I'll be up there. I got some brown bear hunts in the spring and then straight into fishing. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, that's awesome. But, yeah, no, dude, before we uh, – we covered a ton of stuff today. That was awesome. Yeah, like, yeah, good talk, man. Yeah. I was going to say, is there anything else – you kind of wish we could cover quick before we kind of finish things off here. I think, I think we covered it. Yeah. 
did awesome brother i appreciate you coming on and like yeah keep killing them out in california hell yeah and you keep doing your podcast dude look forward to uh following it awesome brother i appreciate it and you have a good one and take it easy all right bud talk to you soon all right see ya And that wraps things up today for episode 24 with Charlie from the Golden State Guide Service. Really cool to hear about some of his stories in Scotland on how the regulations over there, you don't have to do certain things or you can shoot lead or whatever it is. And when those guys come over here, it's a lot different story. And to hear about his guide service and you know how he's doing great things out there on the bay they're smashing him up and i hope some people on here can go out there and chase him because that's a really cool hunt to experience and yeah just one of a one of a kind so i hope you guys really uh enjoyed this one and take it easy